Hello and welcome to the Crack Beer Community Podcast. I'm your host Brian, and in this live special episode, I'm joined by Phil Keatley from Crafty Bear and Shane Kelly from Dot Brew. We hosted this live event in the Circular in Dublin 8 on November 30th. On the night, we were joined by Crafty Bear, Dot Brew, Trouble Brewing and Lineman. This is part one of the recording of our live event, which sees us chat with Phil from Crafty Bear and Shane from Dot Brew. Let's just get straight into the action. Okay. Hello, everyone. We're back. We're here to interrupt you having your pints. Yeah, so I hope everyone's checked in so far. You have your beer tokens and you have your, your colour change, juicy pale in front of you. Looking around, I can see plenty of glasses there, so I think we're looking good. Happy days. Um, so again, thanks everyone for coming. Really, really appreciate it. And I hope we're going to have a, a fun night in store. So I'm going to, first of all, I'm going to introduce Phil from Crafty Bear. Uh, Phil is pouring colour change, juicy pale ale, uh, which is tasting absolutely fantastic, I might say. Cheers. Um, so Phil, basically, I'm just going to pass it straight over to you and just ask you to say hello to our illustrious audience here today. Uh, introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about Crafty Bear. Yeah, no problems at all. Guys, nice to meet you. I'm Phil. Yeah, it's great to be here and appreciate all the support. Um, Crafty Bear, realistically, is um, a one-man band at the moment. It's myself. And I am brewing it out of Tur Barrel, um, just up the road. And by doing so, I actually work for the lads now as well in Tur Barrel. So it's a nice little love story we have going on there. Um, but yeah, we created the company, say we, me, um, 2018. And it was kind of just on the back of the fact that I was homebrewing for many years previous and I was getting lots of kind of reports back from friends and family um, with a lot of honesty as well, which was good about the beers I was creating and realized that after a while that some of the beers I was creating were just as good as what I was buying in the shops. So start approaching places around, uh, Turbarrel being one of them, who were contracting and just try to figure out whether could I make a dream come true. And lo and behold, I took the dive into brewing, uh, home brewing into craft brewing uh, officially okay amazing lovely lovely so then the beer itself then uh color change juicy pale so color change is a 5.4 percent uh pale ale um i brewed it with uh, wheat oats vienna and pale malt um so you're going to get this kind of almost it's hazy nice yellow kind of white uh, frothy top we used uh citrus strata and simcoe hops um, but we use them in kind of a different way than, normal, than I normally used to use beforehand, where beforehand I'd kind of just go, you know, use a bit in the, the kettle and then straight to dry hop. Um, now with this one, um, this is the second time I've done this uh, method, which is literally um, do a whirlpool on the hot side, and then I moved into the dry hopping, say day five, and then dry hopping again maybe day 10 while pulling off the tank, so you're getting rid of the old hops and yeast and putting in the fresh ones. Um, but I did it in a ratio, so it wasn't like all three hops were going in the same amount. I kind of played around with it. So at the beginning, you know, the was it mosaic? So I said a mosaic went in three kilos, and it was like three one one, and then the next time around it was one two two. So we played around with that way, um, and by doing that over the course of say the ten days of the hopping, um, I was able to kind of pull out the the flavors, I suppose. So each hop was able to shine a bit better. Okay, nice. Then with, with those hops and that, that combination, I suppose, what should we be tasting in the beer? What, what's it doing for the beer? Um, I think on the nose, from what I'm getting anyway, is peach. I think the peach comes through really nicely. Um, 
Then you're going to get like a bit of the, uh, a little bit of apricot, I suppose, and then pineapple. And then hopefully a nice kind of subtle citrus kind of background. Um, nothing too strong, but it kind of, I think they blend and gel very well together. So you're going to get a, at each sip you have, you're going to pick up on a different kind of tropical fruit each time. Um, but for me, I think the nose, the very first time it's poured, the first bang off the, uh, off the pint glass is just, for me, is just unreal. Um, but that's peach. Hopefully you are all getting the same. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't have a dodgy nose. Peach? Anyone? Any nod aheads? Peach? Yeah, yeah. Plenty of nodding. We got peach. Oh, no, it's next green, yeah. I'm afraid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I won't argue as long as you're getting uh, fruits. As long as it's fruits. Yeah. Yeah. So the citrus does come through, but I find I think different people I get the citrus kind of more sooner. I get it very late in, in, in the, the mouthfeel. A friend of mine gets it immediately, and I've heard that as well from other people as well. So I think everyone's taste bud will be different, but for me, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm pretty chuffed with the way it's, the way it's turned out. Yeah, tasting absolutely fantastic, really is. What is it about the beer style then? What, what, what made you want to brew it or what, what brought it about? Well, we're coming close to the end of the year. Um, I kind of wanted a beer that would, you know, and I'll be very hop forward, very drinkable. You know, it is technically sessionable. I know it is 5.4, but you're still on the good side of not knocking, you know, people's heads off. Um, with, as I know, previous beers I've done there are sixes and sevens and so on, but... So I'm looking for something that's kind of a, can, a fridge filler as well, you know, so, you know, you're going to crack it open, hopefully you have more than one or two. Um, and by doing so, you know, you're kind of getting this lovely, juicy can of pale. Um, but I love pale ales. Um, pale ales and IPAs would be my go-to. Um, like if I ever go into a pub and I, I don't have great amount of options, you're generally always kind of guaranteed to find the likes of Ambush. You know what I mean? So, which is a fucking straightforward, perfect pale ale. Um, not just trying to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is he in the room? Yeah, Brian, Brian's down the back uh, there with like sharpening his knife. No, genuine, <laughs> genuinely. Uh, it, it was my number one pale ale until I brewed this. Um, but in the meantime, it's still there. Um, but yeah, so as I said, if I can't get my own pale ale on draft somewhere else, I'll, uh, I'll, drink, I'll drink Ambush. So, pale is my, you know. Is my number two IPA would be my number one. So I decided, look, what's the harm? Get uh, get a nice uh, banger out before Christmas, and you know the ABV hopefully will will, will do the damage for me in regards to sales. So people won't be getting too worried about slamming a few in the fridge. Yeah, lovely stuff. And I know from chatting earlier, it's absolutely flying off the shelves as well. Yeah, really yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, I believe this is the last keg, uh, last keg on tap here for sales. Anyway, I believe there's one more left in town, and then after that, I'm out. Yeah. So I have to redo it again, but. Not, not a bad thing. No, not no. a bad thing at all. Yeah. So then, your backstory yourself, Phil. I know, I know from chatting to you before um, of of where it came about, I guess, and I, I suppose it all stemmed from your wedding, really, didn't it? Yeah. So realistically, um, I lived with a housemate, best mate of mine, and we lived in the arsehole of nowhere in Ongar. And I took on a job that was in Blanchestown, and then it transferred me back to the city. So our nights out became very expensive because of taxis. So I decided we'd start brewing at home and poison ourselves. Uh, and by doing so, I realized that I need to move back into the city. Um, so, yeah, so beer got better. You know, I started moving from using the extracts, the cans, uh, put money together and got myself a um, kit for all-in-one systems and that kind of thing. And, uh, and then eventually, like, quality got better. I started fermenting under pressure. And then I realized, like, this is actually a solid beer that I'm doing. 
Um, the company I was working for has a lot of bars and restaurants, and they were obliging me for my wedding because we're holding the, um, the afters there as well, that they said, look, just pay corkage. You can bring in your own kegs. So brewed up a couple of kegs, and they just flew out. And by doing that, people were kind of just coming and saying, look, you know, that beer is it's worthwhile. Give it a go. So I took the plunge after. We got married, uh, did the whole usual, married, house. <laughs> And what else, what else are you going to do with the rest of the savings? I'll spend it. And uh, yeah, so I went out and created Crafty Bear in 2018. Lovely, lovely. I have a, a similar wedding homebrew story, although it's, uh, I did brew my own for my wedding, and my wife's uncle to this day maintains it was that one bottle of homebrew that absolutely destroyed him. <laughs> not not, not the, uh, the 40 other drinks he had that day. Exactly. It, was that, it was that one bottle, yeah. So yeah. Um, so then the, the range of beers you're brewing, so you kind of said IPAs are your number one, the pales your number two, so you, you brought out a, diff- a good kind of range to date. Yeah, so before, so I was very heavy based on 330s beforehand, and I think as most people here will know that the 330 cans, they kind of, unless you're kind of doing them uh, like a higher ABV or like barrel aged stouts and that kind of thing, the cans go for 250 a pop, and, and since the government decided you can't do the four for 10 as four, you can do them individually. People weren't buying them, so I had to jump out of the, the 330 range for the time being. So, like, we had IPA, we had red, we had Imperial Red, we had a stout, we had lager, um, what else? We had a Belgian blonde, like, I had a good range going. Um, and since that change of getting out of the 330s and moving to 440s, I decided to kind of give the, the, the brand a bit of a facelift. Um, so, the logo got a change, the color of the label, everything kind of got spruced up a bit. And yeah, so we just moved straight to, to 440s. We only currently have the, the two beers, which is the pale you're drinking now, and the IPA, which is the Loosen the Juice, which is also flying out also. Um, we're doing, we did a fresh batch just recently, so that'll be on keg um, two weeks' time. And from there, I'm going to just start going back to basics and kind of working back up. Um, yeah, so finish the year off with the two new ones and then and we're going to go back and revisit, I suppose, maybe at like a session and have a few ideas for the new year. Okay, lovely, yeah. And you, you touched on the new branding as well, something I wanted to mention. It looks absolutely fantastic, so, yeah. so fair play and well Cheers. done. Is it something you did yourself? or Some of it myself. Uh, yeah. I'm lucky to have, as I said, I work with, with Tur Barrel um, and Kev, one of the, the lads that uh, owns Tur Barrel, they, um, he does all the labels, so he's handy with... Um, computers to say I'm useless <laughs> but with Photoshop he's a bit of a whiz kid and I'll come with an idea and he pretty much puts the, the magic to it and we end up with what the, the new logo new label looks like so yeah in that sense I'm kind of lucky he's the uh, he's the one with the knowledge yeah. I come with the idea <laughs> nice how was it working with the lads actually because I know they're great they're, they're, they're gen spacey and great crack yeah like. like I've been working with them for years we just kind of made it official I suppose uh, I think it was May give or take um, I've been brewing with them since 2018 and then I kind of got to the stage where I practically was living over there. I was more a pain in the ass than them, I suppose, <laughs> coming over and giving them a hand, like, you know. And, yeah, they were, they're grown um, and they needed a hand and we kind of just, I suppose, went for pints and got chatting. They, they gave me an offer I couldn't refuse. Uh, and by doing so, I can kind of still continue doing Crafty Bear um, all the while by working with the guys and, I suppose gaining a lot of experience and knowledge from, from the three lads. Yeah. Nice, nice. I'm picturing Kev as Marlon Brando now as well, giving an offer you couldn't refuse. <laughs> um, okay, then, so what's, you, you kind of alluded to, there's a few new bits coming down the line in the new year. What's, uh, what's in the pipeline? 
So I think I'll kick the year off with a session. Um, just I know everyone's kind of you have a group of dry January, and then you're going to have people are going to take it easy, I suppose, with all the the heavy stuff over the Christmas. And uh, after the session, I have a bit of a. Hopefully, it'll be a, a big release. It's a uh, you now. It's a bit of a weird one, but I'm telling you, it's absolutely fantastic. It's a black cherry milkshake IPA. Um, it might sound weird to people, but I'll tell you for a fact, I've done a test batch already, and I would have loved to bring a sample or two, but the, it didn't last. Um, <laughs> it was absolutely unreal. Um, it was, was kind of like I'd left over grain that I had to get rid of at home, so I have a little brew kit and a little brew shed at the back, and I needed to get through the old stuff. I had lactose that was about to go to date in December, so we'll throw that in. A black cherry extract, sure, we'll, that's five mils of this, and you know, and then, you know, let's stick a bit of cryopop hops into it as well. Sure, look, what's, what can go wrong? And it turned out to be probably one of the nicest milkshake IPAs I've ever tried. Um, and I'm not blowing my own trumpet there. Hopefully, when I have it all done, uh, February or March, I'd say more March, um, you'll agree with me on that as well. So that hopefully will be a big launch for maybe Paddy's. Um, people have been asking me, am I going to make it green? I don't really. <laughs> I did see a brewery in the States that were sellotaping um, small green sachets to, to one of their Blondales or something. So you had an option of like making your pint green. I think that was pretty cool, but I, I, I don't think I'm going to be going super gluing yeah. green dye to anything recently. But yeah, I'd say we'll start with those two, but there's no, uh, nine, nine fresh new brews planned for next year at least anyway so okay amazing it's nice that they gave them the choice they had the sachet on the side like and it's uh, yeah i think most people didn't even see it yeah like, <laughs> most, unless you're checking the date yeah yeah <laughs> it's a good way of filtering out who your friends are and aren't as well it's like yeah. see who pours it in they're like no you're gone no. Yeah. <laughs> good um yeah okay so like we'll, we'll start to wrap it up there on the chat any any questions for phil anyone have any uh questions comments or uh, abuse is in my direction <laughs> No, not the moment. Um, I have been kind of suggested I'll, I'll use a bit of um, not cherry uh, raspberries, so kind of give it a colour. So it, you know you'll kind of get that black cherry feel about it. Um, I'm just a bit cautious about it at the moment because I want to do a few trials and see. Um, I just find sometimes when you, when, when you add fruit, I'm sure you guys know. Yeah, it kind of the beer kind of will, will move in a different direction as it gets a little older, and then head retention and that kind of thing. And I think I like the idea of a milkshake. You know, you know, the fr like a nice frothy head, you know, sells a drink to me. So I'd rather not sell something that's gonna like go flat straight away. So I'll trial and test it. Um, and the cherry is, I think it's called Uncle Tom's. So it's, it's a fairly famous extract for uh, breweries. I think food in general. Um, it's pretty hardcore. Like I said, I only used five mils for 23 litres and it was pretty banging. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'll see. I have time between now, I suppose, and February. I've got time to kind of put it together and see whether the fruit will interfere. But it is optional, yeah. It's, it's a possibility if it doesn't. Cheers. Okay, we'll start to wrap it up there. Just like, Phil, massive, massive thank you. Uh, the beer is tasting incredible. I Cheers. think people would agree. I hope they will. Um, Yes, nods all around. So fair play to you. Super, super beer. And thanks again for joining. So thanks for Okay, folks. So next up, we have uh, Shane from Dot Brew. We're going to have the barrel-aged Brett Pale Ale. I'd say probably in 10, 15 minutes' time. So that's your 
your warning window generally kind of going along at that pace. So, uh, yeah, time yourselves accordingly. Cheers. Hey, hello. We're back. Oh, I've lost control already. Great. <laughs> it's already carnage. Okay, folks, we're on to beer number two. We're going for the Barrel Age Brett Pale Ale from Dot Brew. I'm joined by the fantastic Shane here, um, who is the, I suppose, the, the barrel wizard of Ireland, as, as he is known by everyone else bar himself, because he's far too modest for that. Um, <laughs> sorry. Sorry. The head shake. <laughs> Are you, you on? Yeah. Yeah, perfect. Okay, Shane, so we're going to kick things off. Um, I'm just going to ask you to say, I suppose, a quick hello to, and introduce yourself and Dot, and then we'll, we'll talk a bit about the beer itself. Cool. Uh, how are you folks? My name is uh, Shane, so founder of Dot Brew. Um, so we're yeah, on the market for about six and a half years now. Uh, so thanks, Mina, for coming down. Um, it's great to see people out on a Wednesday, so fair play. A little bit jealous. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, just a bit, better, a bit about Dot, I suppose. Um, as the crow flies, we're probably the closest brewery or warehouse to you. So we're literally at the end of the road here behind Tesco Express. Um, <laughs> so very, very close. Um, so yeah, so yeah. Every, everyone's like nodding there. It's like, oh yeah, Tesco yeah. Express. Yeah, I always walk right <laughs> out of here. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so we're, uh, Dot's a contract brand. This was a little bit of difference there. So like this year, say we've, we're, we're producing in Third Barrel. Phil was being modest there. He does all the work in Third Barrel. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, Hope and Larkins. And then our own place is all about the barrels so, uh, and, and distribution. So we have a canning line dedicated to everything that comes out of out of the woods uh, which is all done in house um yeah so we're basically a logistics company that sells beer on the side that's, the, that's basically <laughs> our slogan okay so the beer itself uh, the barrel aged brett pale ale um tasting absolutely spectacular i must say and i, I think anyone i've spoken to around the bar is enjoying it too um, he says that to everybody <laughs> well i do but it generally tends to be very good beer <laughs> um yeah, so, so what is it, basically? What, what are we drinking? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a funny one. This, uh, I call it a bit of a pre-release. So we actually probably won't release this till summer next year. Um, so it's a combination of three different barrels, uh, three different ages. The oldest is just touching on three years. Uh, middle is 18 months. And then the youngest uh, portion is, is nine months. Um, Barrel-wise, we've got French oak, we've got Chardonnay, and we've got um, Woodford bourbon. Um, Production locations, we basically hit three different counties here. So uh, the oldest portion was brewed in 12 acres. The middle bit was in Hope. And then the youngest bit was in Larkins. And then Dublin 8 uh, for maturation. Um, I suppose that the idea behind it is if you were to taste all three components separately, they're, they're completely different. So the oldest is, you know, uh, tongue-in-cheek, quite sour. The middle bit was full-on funky, uh, fruity bread, and then the last piece was was quite sweet. The mad thing with this beer, on on paper, it is bone dry, it, as dry as water, but yet the influences of the different types of woods kind of knock on to what you perceive as sweetness. So the the Chardonnay barrel, which is which is the long age, gives you a little bit of a fruity character. The the bourbon. American oak gives a level of sweetness, and then the French oak gives a tiny bit of spice. Um, I would suggest warming it up a bit, so don't feel weird about putting the beer between your legs. It's grand. Uh, <laughs> if, 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 we, if we all do it, we're in it together, all right? Um, 
So, yeah, just, just right, I'll warm keep up a little up. bit. Yeah, I'll, I'll do the same. Right. The, uh, Come on, folks. Get involved. Go on. Um, so, yeah, basically, once it warms up, you get a little bit more on the aromatics then as well. Uh, nice. I can't believe I'm doing this. These colour pants as well, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> if you see me later, you know why, right? Okay. <laughs> oh, God. Um, okay, so a, a, well, it's a barrel-aged Brett Pale Ale. So, so just to go to the middle part of that, what, what's a Brett Pale Ale, basically? Uh, so, well, it started as Pale Ale and then it got, um, I'd say it was by design, but actually just happened naturally. We had uh, Britannomyces in one of the barrels and rather than throwing it out, we said we'd, we'd leave it run. And generally with Brett or kind of wilder beers, you kind of need to leave them go through the cycle of all four seasons um, because the, the temperature changes in the warehouse. The wood opens up and closes over as well. Um, so the wood expands a little bit during warmer, warmer months uh, and you get a lot more contact. And then in the winter, obviously, the, the yeast will kind of go a little bit dormant and the barrels will contract. Um, so we go, through all, we go through all seasons. And then with this one, the reason we'll end up giving it an extra bit of time is because the third portion of it is now inoculated with Brett, but it wasn't originally. So we basically give that a good bit of time. We've got tank number seven and red hoses and nothing, nothing but funk will ever see the inside of that, uh, hopefully, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and then the, the beer style itself, like a Brett Pale Ale, what, what do you like about it? Like, why, why did you decide to create it? Yeah, well, well nature created well, it, yeah. we, just, we just package it. Um, <laughs> so the, I suppose the, the, the beauty of it is, is a level of complexity. So I know where the beer started and I know what we were looking to get out of each barrel. Um, and by the extra little bit of breath there, it just adds uh, a little bit of a fruity character. It's a bit of like a, like a, a red, red apple there a little bit as well. And then just like, it's odd to say, as I said, it's bone dry. There's a little perception of sweetness and there's a juiciness which comes from, from one from the yeast and two from the, the barrel contact as well. Okay, excellent, excellent. And then I suppose on to Dot itself then, but what, where, did the, where did the idea for Dot come from or where did the inception come from? What, what made you want to do it? Yeah. Like I, I'd say if you, were to, if you were to grab every brewer in Ireland, I'd say the majority of people started as homebrew and I'm, I'm no different. Um, home brew, and then I had a you know I liked wine, I liked whiskey, I liked beer. Not, you know that sounds like I'm not picky. I like good <laughs> wine and good whiskey and good beer. Um, and it was the influences of wood on whiskey, influences of wood on on wine. So even as a home brewer, I was playing around with different types of, of wood. Um, now obviously wood cubes or wood chunks or chopped up bits of my granddad's tree, whatever whatever kind of came about. Um, and that I think as a home brewer you just learn you like because there's no massive risk commercial risk you just com constantly playing and playing and you're constantly adding to your to your own kind of knowledge and, and, and expanding your taste then as well yeah very good um, okay so then I suppose when you get into the barrels then how do you how do you go about like selecting barrels or, or picking barrels and go and say right that'll work with that barrel or that won't or how does that work uh, so there's well, two ways one is um, so we've done a lot of kind of exclusive barrels to people and where we kind of, we will, they'll ask for a particular style uh, and it could be based on, uh, they really like Madeira or they like Marsala or uh, they might work with a winery and they know that they can get access to a barrel and we'll kind of play with that. Um, and then the, that's one way of doing it where you're kind of designing a beer to it and you often get bits left over and you're kind of playing around with that. 
Um, the other way of doing it is that we have a beer that we want to brew um, and we go sourcing barrels that are going to kind of match that. Um, like the most versatile styles, the reason you see it is like barrel-aged stouts. Um, there's so much to play with there that that's why you kind of see them quite, quite frequently. It's when you get into the kind of pails or, you know, some of the oddity styles, that's where you really got to hone in on, on the barrel that's best going to complement the beer rather than fight it. Okay, very good. And then I suppose this is a horrible question to ask, and we're going to ask anyway. So you said you love the you have the whiskey influence, the wine influence, the beer influence. What of your creations, like what would you be your favorite to kind of try and drink or create and and, and it's like enjoy asking at the end for my, yeah, my favorite child? Yeah, exactly. You yeah. might have one, but you can't say. It's <laughs> <laughs> not like this has been recorded or anything. <laughs> Um, I actually, I can't, I, it's, you know, it's time and place uh, and I, I, I'm, everyone, you know, um, I, give, I give a really good example. So I remember uh, traveling to South Africa, trying wines over there. It was like, oh my God, these are amazing. Brought wines home and they were, they were junk. And uh, you say, people, people say, oh, you got to leave them sit. So I left them sit. They were still junk. And the reality is, I was like, I needed, I needed a box of Rennie. Like, they were so acidic. I couldn't, I was like, what the fuck? Uh, but actually, the reality was, they were amazing there because it was 20, 28 degrees, and it was 12 degrees back in, back in Ireland when I tried them again. It's, I think it's time and place, so I couldn't pick a favourite. Um, at the moment, I'm, I'm loving lagers. I'm loving big, dirty... Uh, big clean tasty stouts um <laughs> and i think that's just you know se- sessionability and then just nursing something for for a while yeah so that's an indirect way of saying that answering that question yeah of yeah. course yeah yeah now I, I shouldn't ask it in the first place i felt bad saying it um one of the i suppose one of the favorite things that you do i pretty much buy everything you put out anyway and i enjoy all of it but it's the, the barrel adopter program uh which is absolutely fantastic it's kind of a way of getting everyone involved and kind of getting being able to vote on styles and everything you do. Um, is it coming back in 2023 is question one. And I suppose question two is, could you tell us a bit about it? Um, yeah, uh, so question one, yes. Yes, it is. Um, and a bit about it is, I suppose it's, um, it's lifting the curtain a little bit from the, you know, the barbed wire hide walls in, in uh, Dolphin's Barn. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> Was it the Jurassic Park style gates? I Jurassic, think you said it's, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's not to keep people in. It's yeah. Anyway, uh, it's cool. Yeah, an area steeped in colourful history. Um, uh, so, <laughs> so yeah. Basically, what we do it's it's a membership, uh, and for that membership, at the very start, you get you know uh, what was a bag of cans. Now this 2023, it'll be. A T-shirt to your size, so no one's going around in dot brew belly tops. It's okay. Um, <laughs> Damn it. Uh, well, if you like. <laughs> um, so bag cans. Then what we do through the crack beer community and the forum is we have a, a kind of a closed forum, a group. So a part of that is that you get to vote on beer styles and you get to vote on barrel purchases. Um, and this year we've had absolutely stellar. Uh, suggestions. Um, so we were only looking for two. I think we ended up brewing whatever, four or five of them. Um, and then what we do is uh, you get 12 beers um, exclusive, or pretty much exclusive, almost exclusive uh, <laughs> to, uh, to, the, to the barrel adopters. <laughs> you, get, you get the best of the best. Uh, um, 
Uh, and what we're doing, what we did this year is we kind of split between summer and winter. The whole idea that we, one, you're not getting uh, a glut of 12 different beers at the same time. And we also moved away from 12, uh, 750 mil bottles because you're all hoarders and you're just leaving them on your, on your shelf. So now you can basically get two cans, two 440 mil cans of each beer. So you can actually drink one and then share one if you want. You don't have to share. Um, also, there's an event then as well. So we basically have people down. Um, we pour a couple of beers uh, just down in, in the yard uh, just for the adopters. Um, spouses were, were included this year as well. Um, and three of those beers are paired with uh, food prepared on site by, by a chef, not just going over to McDonald's and saying, this goes really well, chicken nuggets. Um, so that's kind of it. There's more to it. I suppose it is us trying to communicate a little bit better and then people get an idea of what goes on behind the scenes then as well. Okay, excellent. I, I was 100% that hoarder of 750ml bottles I last time as well. I saw, yeah. I saw, I saw <laughs> the, the pictures. <laughs> it was like, I think it was Christmas last year and I was like, oh Jesus, I got 2020 and 2021 to get through. So it's like, if I start cracking these fast, um, that was a good Christmas. Um, okay, so what's next then? What's coming down the line for that? What's the, what's the crack? Uh, yeah, so... Um, I suppose we're only talking the with the with the other guys here. It's it's been a, an interesting one. Um, I am um, I let you know in a secret, okay? Uh, we're actually we're due to release hopefully by the end of this year uh, non-alcoholic, so proper non-alcoholic, uh, zero point five, actually zero point three nine percent, and. Any geeks in here? Anyone want to know the geekery bit? I think every, everyone yeah, here. Okay, okay. <laughs> so the the yeast involved, the yeast that we're using, uh, had to go through a bit of a vetting process to be allowed to purchase the yeast at a, an exorbitant high cost. Um, thanks. Uh, no, but anyway, it's it's a yeast that's actually um, it's uh, what you call it isolated from the skin of a Sauvignon Blanc uh, New Zealand grape. Um, it's it's absolutely fascinating. And basically the way it works is that it doesn't produce CO2 uh, during fermentation and you need to um, basically kind of keep rotating it through the tank. And it breaks down long-chain sugars. Here's the really geeky bit. Breaks down long-chain sugars uh, and creates a mouthfeel and reduces sweetness without creating alcohol. Um, so obviously that, that's, yeah, that's kind of where we're going. That's for the end of this year. Touch wood. Uh, if it doesn't work out... Forget about this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's, yeah. I was looking around the room just as he got to the end of the sentence of how the yeast works, and I just saw. <laughs> <laughs> no, everyone's like, everyone's like, that sounds amazing, but what? Yeah. Like, how? Yeah. Um, so yeah, basically, it's non, it's a non-saccharomyces, non-sac yeast, um, and then you go one step further, and it goes Crabtree negative. So basically, means it creates nothing. And it but just breaks down sugars, which is amazing. Yeah, yeah. Class. Okay. A geeky lesson over. You can move on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that brings us nicely. I see a hand uh, shot up at the back, Austin. Uh, we have questions, definitely. I think after that, we can't not have questions. You're barred. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the question was if it's not producing CO2 and alcohol, what is it doing? Uh, supposedly a whole lot of sulfur at the, at the start. <laughs> uh, no, so it is literally, it's, um, it can work in, a, in a aerobic or anaerobic setting, and it literally just takes on the sugars and breaks down chains. So rather than, it won't go anywhere near 
Um, it won't go anywhere near maltose, and it won't go anywhere near uh, sucrose either. So yeah, it's it is mad. Um, Sugar, he's a geek, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, it's not it's not Saccharomyces, it's not brewer's yeast, but it is it is a yeast. Yeah, yeah. It's I think it's it, I, every time I read the name of it, I, I keep reading Pikachu, but I'm pretty sure it's not called Pikachu. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, what other questions have we got? Is it gonna be cheaper than your alcohol? Well here is a little insight into the process. So I don't know yet. Um, uh, I suppose this is one that really com that comes up a fair bit. It's like, oh, there's no alcohol, there's no duty. But actually, you still need to run it through a tunnel pasteurizer, uh, so that, that costs. Um, you still need to treat it differently, that costs. And the yeast itself is twice as expensive as the standard yeast. So like, I, com I completely get, I get it. If there's no alcohol in it, why am I paying whatever? So it will be cheaper, but not maybe to what you might think. Yeah, you have to factor in the the cost of the the can and the production. Like I think uh, I think Mark was saying to me the other day, if I just packaged a can of air, it would cost me about two quid. Like, you know, so, yeah. like, and he's cheap. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, no, it is a really good question because yeah. I know people have asked that about say like low alcohol, um, but the reality is like if you're still going low alcohol and you're putting the same amount of hops in, the the duty on a can or a pint is actually pretty small. Um, so I think that's a really good question, though. So as far as <laughs> contamination is concerned, for standard brewers, you have potential contamination there because you have a, a yeast strain that won't produce alcohol. And so therefore, you're in a situation where if that passes in through the whole system, you might contaminate your system and not produce alcohol. And then you can't produce the beer that you want. You want to use alcohol beer? Yeah, more the other way around. Um, so, where this strain won't produce alcohol, it still retains sugars that are fermentable. So, if you had Saccharomyces or anything else, like this beer will never see the inside of our barrel room, put it that way. Um, but yeah, you more risk on the other side. So, everything needs to be enclosed. Uh, and that also means that, like, because there's no alcohol in it, there's no protection. Um, which means that you're actually opened up to a whole lot of other contaminants. Um, so that's why it gets pasteurized. And that, that's, that's an expensive process. And that's kind of one of the... So it's literally a tunnel pasteurizer. Um, like, I've been looking at this now for about two and a half, three years. Um, and we've gone down the route of trying sulf sulfates and sorbates as, as protection, so we didn't have to do it. But, like, who wants to see... As, uh, you know, as, uh, who wants to see that on the on the label of a, a can? So we'll pay the extra bit to do it, which again will be on contract. Um, but no, the, the yeast wouldn't work the other. It wouldn't wouldn't contaminate the other way around, because the fermentability of, of Saccharomyces would always win out. Jesus, the room just went oh, very yeah. quiet. <laughs> I think everyone's brains we're, are scrambled. We're, after we're, that. we're also <laughs> going to produce a IPA next year too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go for it. Last one. <laughs> well, that was the vetting process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Asking for a friend. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually missed the question. Oh, I heard the skin of a grape. So I'll say it back because I just realised I have to remember these questions and try and put them into the podcast later. So, for sake. all right. <laughs> How does one get into the club? 
that allows you to buy this yeast that's taken from the skin of a New Zealand Sauvignon grape. You basically... That is, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's mad. I, I got no, I got no um, I got no response for about two or three weeks from the from the manufacturer. It's only by fluke I knew uh, uh, a brewer in that country, and within twenty four hours I got a response. Yeah, so uh, not what you know who you know. I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So close enough, John. Close enough. Yeah. Richard. Uh, once we give you your 2022 beers, <laughs> uh, which are out, out uh, hopefully by the tail end of next week, and then we're, we'll open up 2023. Yeah, folks, massive round of applause for Shane. Super stuff. Uh, thanks, folks. Cheers. I'd like to thank both Phil and Shane for joining us, and I'd like to thank you for listening. I'd also like to thank our live audience for joining us on the night, creating a great atmosphere, and for chipping in with loads of great questions. If you like what you heard, then be sure to keep an eye out for more of our live events in 2023. Also stay tuned for part two of our live special with Brian from Trouble Brewing and Mark from Lineman. The Brilliant Beer Ladies podcast is also hosting a live event in Rascals Brewing Company on January 12th. It's free to join, but tickets are limited, so I'd recommend grabbing yours as soon as possible. Check out their socials for more details. The beer community in Ireland is an amazing space full of so many fantastic people. At Crack, we aim to champion independent brewers and everyone else involved in the independent beer scene and support them as best we can. If you'd like to learn more about Crack, you can get involved in the beery discussion at crack-beer-community.ie. It's free to join and always will be. You can also check us out on Twitter, at Crack Community, and on Instagram, at Crack Beer Community. Crack is entirely self-funded. If you'd like to support us in what we do, please keep an eye out for our Community Brew Project beers. All proceeds from these beers will go towards funding Crack activities such as our member platform, our in-person events, and this podcast. In picking up some of these beers, you'll be supporting a fantastic independent Irish brewery and retailer, help keep Crack ticking over, and you'll have a delicious beer to enjoy. It's a win all round. As a final note, if you enjoyed the podcast, then please feel free to rate it and also subscribe to stay up to date with all of our new releases. So that's it for now. Thanks again for listening and sláinte.